What's going on, military cash flow family? How are you doing today, Mike? I am blessed. You know, I, I told you about all the struggles I have going on financially, man. But, you know, I, you know, having a conversation like today, and we're going to talk about today's guest and him. He's, he's no stranger, but it always helps just to be able to talk at a higher level. Now, you know, we always love giving value to whoever we can when we talk about just investing in financial uh, strategies. But we don't we rarely talk about our own personal struggles. You know what I mean? And so having a guest on that can understand our struggles, it always is. It's 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 refreshing. It's refreshing to vent sometimes, especially as men, because we don't do that shit. We swallow our pride too much, man. It's true. But no, man, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing well, man. I'm about to to head out to Jacksonville here in a second, right after this interview, actually. And uh, so my niece's birthday. So uh, oh, we have nice. we're going we're going skating. So really excited nice. about that. Yeah, yeah. So. You get your old ATL on. OK, yeah, we'll let, me, let me find out. <laughs> let me find out. You, used to, you used to be at the skate rink as a kid, man. Try let to, me try find to. out. I know, I know that's pretty big in Fayetteville, isn't it? I heard that's like pretty, uh, it is big up there, right? It is. It actually yeah. surprisingly is. They treat it just like it's like a, a the. What is it? It was ATL? Yeah. What was that yeah. movie? But anyway, it was ATL. Yeah, you're right. It's ATL. It was, yeah, it was, yeah. They treat it just like that over there, man. That's cool. That's cool. I can't but... skate. I, I was never invited. Uh, other, than, <laughs> other than that, man, um, trying to, I gotta lose a couple pounds, man. I'm gonna do this, uh, this uh, combatives tournament, dude, like next week. Nice. So you might, you might see me with a black eye or something like that coming on the podcast, <laughs> like, <laughs> like next week. So I'm gonna try to, uh, try to get back the title for you guys who don't know. You know, uh, brushing my shoulders off a little bit. I am a three-time uh three ID combatives champion. You know what I mean? So I'm trying to go for nice. that fourth. You know what I mean? So, um. So how long has it been? How long has it been since the last time you competed? Uh, since I was here the last time, since I was at Fort Stewart the last time. So um, I didn't, get, there was no competitions at Fort Drum. So I didn't do anything up there. I did, you know, right. I rolled a little bit, but I didn't really do too much as far as competing. Um, but um, yeah, the last time I, I competed was, I'd say 2017. That was the last okay. time. I think I won, I won 2017, 2016, and 2015. Or maybe it was 16, 15, and 14. One of the, it was right, 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 right. those three, whatever three years uh, that I competed. And then uh, prior to that, um, prior to that, I used to actually, you know, do MMA. Like, like yep. actually, I had a professional fight I lost, but, you know, it's all yeah. good. I did that thing. Eventually, maybe one day I'll get back into it. But um, it just scratches the itch a little bit for me. You know, that's, that's about it. So exactly. <laughs> but, um, today, yeah, exactly. Scratching the itch. That's perfect for today's uh, guest. Um, we talked with David Prey and Mike mentioned that we were talking a little bit higher level stuff. So this is more of a conversation because as you guys know, we typically interviewing are interviewing people who have started in their journey or are um, kind of in the process of their journey, those beginning phases. Sometimes they're, they're in the middle phases, right? But I, I believe at this point, Dave is uh, David Prey, military to millionaire, uh, he is in the position where most people would consider that like the end state for their investing strategy, the end state of their journey. He's he's there right now. Now that is not the end state for him, but still mm -hmm. being at that level, right? And starting to systemize his business to where he's hiring different people. He's out of the military now, right? So, and and he's in the reserves. And we talk about a little bit about that as well. But he's out of the military. He's grown to a level of like uh, over a hundred doors. 
Um, he's got a couple of assistants. He also has, you know, wholesale operations slash a few other operations as well. So he's at that level and he's out of the military and he's doing this full time now. Right. So for a lot of people, for a lot of our listeners, that's probably where you want to end up being once you get out of the military. Right. Like, let's say you do 20 years and you get out of the military. That's typically around where you want to be at. Right. So getting some insight from from like his perspective at that level, I think is is a lot different than what we normally get. And I think it's uh, we, we dive into a lot of topics, Mike. Yeah, and we, we follow Dave in his whole journey. Obviously, most of you guys do too. But I tell you what, even after the interview was done recording, he was like, you know what? Even my followers don't hear this story. So you guys get it here. The exclusive, baby. But no, seriously, um, when he talks about the, the mental challenges, and, and this is something that obviously you guys know I'm very uh, passionate about in a sense. He talks about the mental challenges of why he ultimately decided to leave the military active duty because he was in that little limbo space. And then even some of the challenges that he faces in the reserve, which which, you know, for most of us, we're saying, ah, oh, oh, we'll just leave once we make enough money. But there are some real concerns there. And he actually uh, opens up and he's a little bit more vulnerable here. So again, thank you for that, Dave. And hopefully you guys get a lot of value out of this. And before we go right into it, last thing I'm going to force uh, uh, Dan, I'm going to put you on the spot right here. You got to take video of the fight, man, and you got to record it. All right. You got to record it and put it on the channel. Now that, he, now that he's challenged, everybody can hold him to it. But without further ado, <laughs> let's get to the episode. Hey, how's it going? This is Dan Wynn. And Mike Glassby. And this is the Military Cashflow Podcast, where we teach service members how to build wealth and create passive cash flow through real estate. We cover real deals, real numbers, and real lessons learned from other successful investors. Now, whether you're watching this on YouTube or you're listening on the podcast, we need you to like, share, and subscribe. Now let's get started creating this military cash flow. What's going on, military cash flow family? Today we got a uh, a, a military real estate legend in the house in David Perret, <laughs> military to millionaire. <laughs> so, uh, welcome to the show, Dave. Appreciate you coming on, man. Um, can you let us let let our audience know a little bit about who you are, uh, where you're from, and what you're doing in the real estate space? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on, gents. I. Uh... Man, who I am. Uh, I'm Dave. I just left the Marine Corps after 13 years active service last month. I'm in the reserves now. Uh, in 2015, I got into real estate and then I just kind of kept buying real estate. And then somewhere along the line, I think early, mid 2018, I was like, well, let me document what I'm learning. And that kind of grew into the military millionaire community, which is uh, kind of crazy how big that's gotten over the last couple of years. And so I, when I left the Marine Corps, I decided to take it all full-time. So I basically, at this point, I'm a full-time entrepreneur slash real estate investor slash, I don't really know what you'd call me. I just don't have a job and I'm not, you know, starving. So I guess it's good. Yeah, it is good, man. And it, you know, this is going to be a very interesting episode. Um, you've already been on before with us. And so our audience can always go back and really get that baseline information. But I know we really wanted you on here because we want to talk about the progression, right? We want to talk about some of the thought patterns as you kind of progress through this and now technically full time, right? You've been able to set aside everything else um, along the way. So give us a, just a quick brief what does your real estate holdings um, look like right now? And what does uh, your platform audience look like as far as number of subscribers, number of video content and things of that nature? Yeah. So across all platforms, we're probably sitting around 120,000. Uh, so we got like just under 50 on Instagram and then like 26, 27 on Facebook, uh, 22-ish on TikTok, which just kind of happened out of nowhere. 
and then uh, like 17, almost 18,000 on YouTube and growing right so and i haven't been focusing on content as much over the last couple months as i should so it's all kind of slowed down a little bit which is actually really dumb on my end but yeah it is what it is um and and then uh real estate uh well as far as what i consider my buy and holds we're sitting at about 102 doors so a 40 unit hotel three small apartments and then a bunch of like single family duplex uh fourplex properties uh about probably about four and a half five million worth of real estate and then uh, a couple other it's it's kind of a weird answer because i'm doing a lot of active like off-market deal finding like i hired an acquisitions guy and so i'm doing a lot of off-market deal stuff and like some wholesaling and some flipping mm-hmm. so i've got like i say 102 but i actually have like three other single families that i own right now that are just like one has a had a fire ones mm. you know like weird situations that i'm like eh, one of these i'm gonna sell one of these i'm gonna flip one of these i'm gonna rent and you, so it's it's kind of done like six deals in the last month and it's kind of like hodgepodge stuff that i don't really know where it falls into the portfolio yet so you know and about a random piece of raw land that i thought i had a buyer for and then he he isn't so now i'm I guess a land owner. A land owner. So what with that land though, was it just meant to be, to be a wholesale or did you have like ever intense for farming it or whatever? Sub-leasing? Oh no, it's it's like a uh, quarter acre commercial zoned okay. piece of land that I was basically going to sell to the guy who owns the property next door. So he'd have more parking. And then he's just kind of like been out of state. So I don't know if he's like ghosted or if he's just like on vacation. And so I bought it for 85 and I was uh, 8,500 and I was going to sell it to him for like, 22 cash or 30,000 seller financed. So I'm gonna give them like another week and then I'll probably just offload it because I don't really care to have said piece of land, even though it's, I mean, I got it cheap enough that it's, you know, I mean, it's probably worth about 22 right now. So it's not, that's a good little deal. But all that being said, I've got some weird things going on in the portfolio as far as like, I, I say 102 doors, but then there's like all this you know, random crap that I'm like, I don't really know where I count that in the portfolio, but it's there, you know? So my board has eight things that are either under contract or being sold or so. Yeah. You know how the game goes. Excellent. Excellent. Absolutely. I I love it. And the reason why we really wanted to highlight and kind of touch a start, I guess, kind of start the podcast in uh, that fashion, like, Hey, where you're at right now, because if you go back and listen to the, uh, the other episodes, you kind of see some of that transition. Right. Um, And, and, I think you've been on the show a couple of times, actually, because I think we, we uh, originally got you on back at uh, Grant Cardone's in 2019 that that um, was it I think called? that was 10X, yeah, 10X I think that was before right? it was military cash flow. Right. Yeah, it was yep. back when it was uh, Financial Freedom Journal. Yeah. Yep. Um, and now, uh, obviously, everybody's kind of. Uh, continue to grow right so now we're now we're at the military cash flow right so um i I love the transition again if you go back and look listen to that old episode and come back and listen to this and see where that progression's at so let's talk some of that uh, that progression right so the last episode i think we we had you on you were talking about being stuck in the skiff and uh (laughs) like yeah at the time i want to say you weren't sure if you were going to stick it out or not or you're going to stay in right so what so between that and now like what where where is the mindset what like what are some of the key things that happen speak to our service members man that might be going through a similar situation well the biggest thing for me was that the the marine corps wasn't it wasn't scratching the itch anymore so the things that i found fulfillment in weren't 
like just putting on the uniform and going to work. It was, you know, like deployment and, and combat training. And like, like I was not a combat arms MOS, but I joined at the right time. And so my first four years, you know, I got to do like pre-scout sniper school, infantry machine gun leaders. I was a lead vehicle on a security detachment and driving around with mine roller in Afghanistan. So like I was having fun. Um, it was adventurous. It was exciting. It was sometimes miserable and dangerous and whatever, right. Have a lot of interesting stories, but like, I loved that uh, enough that I actually tried out for uh, MARSOC, like our special forces. I blew out my knee. I didn't make it, you know, I DOR'd whatever. Uh, but, uh, and then I ended up on recruiting duty and I was like, Oh, I can't wait to get back to the fleet. And I got back to the fleet and I was like, wow, everything that was fun has stopped. And now I'm promoted. And so like the skip was like the final culminating, like, <laughs> screw you nail in the coffin because it was like not only are you not doing anything cool but you aren't even going to the rifle range like you are so busy we're just gonna put a waiver on the rifle range and you can just stay in the office even longer and i'm like oh my god and i'm hanging out with all these guys who are like retiring and i was just it just wasn't it wasn't scratching the edge it wasn't fulfilling like what i wanted you know i was volunteering for deployments i was just wasn't there and so I was wrestling with all of that, like, and I read the book, like, Wild at Heart, and I was like, I need adventure in my life, like, something's got to give, and uh, so then I was really leaning into, like, okay, well, can I leave the military, like, am I at a point where I can leave the military, and at that point, like, the platform kind of started to, essentially for 2018, 2019, and most of 2020, the platform was just a big red number on my spreadsheet of like income, right? It was just, I paid for this and I paid for that and I paid for this and I paid for that and no money came back in, right? I was making a couple hundred bucks on YouTube, but it was costing me more than that just to edit the podcasts. And, and it was just, you know, for probably two years, it was just a big red mark of like, eventually this might make some money, but that wasn't really the intent behind the platform. And then all of a sudden it started bringing in some income. And so the real estate was already kind of cash flowing. And then the platform started the cash flow. And kind of I sat back one day and said, you know, the cost of living in Missouri, where my rentals are, is pretty low. And my wife wants to go back there and, and she wants to, you know, actually she had already gone back, but she wants to stay there and she likes her job. She wants to keep working her job. And I was like, honestly, I can live off her job. And as long as I'm cash flowing a little bit, I'll be okay. And then things, and so I kind of made the decision then, like, all right, I'm going to, I'll go reserves. Like worst case scenario, I can go from the reserves. I can go and jump into being a recruiter for the Marine Corps because they'll always take a prior service recruiter from, uh, you know, back onto recruiting from the reserves. Like they're, they're hurting for bodies. So they're like, yeah, I saw that firsthand when I was a recruiter that they were always looking for a reservist to come recruit. So I was like, all right, I'll go back. If I hate it, then I can just jump back in on the recruiting side. And, you know, at least I've been there, done that. I was good at it. Uh, and then the platform just kind of kept making more money and the real estate kept making more money. And then I got into some off-market deals. I started doing some wholesales. I started buying some bigger deals and I was like, yep, nope, I'm good. I'm going to be, I'm going to be financially free. So let's, let's wing it. Right. And uh, now we're, we're a month past uh, I'm doing IMA. So I'm doing instead of like a drill every other, every week, like one weekend, every month, I just have to check 30 days off a year for it to count as a good year. So like I'm going for my first drill, November 30th to December 9th or 10th. And then I'll have to do like another 15 or 20 days sometime in 2022 in order to be good for the year. Um, and so I'm doing my first like reserve drill 
next month and we'll see how we like it. But the cool thing with the reserves is if I hate it, I can just be like, you know what? Not for me. I'm done. So, so, so this IMA thing, this is the first time I heard about this. So instead of doing the traditional, uh, one weekend a month, two weeks out of the summer, you can consolidate all that time. Yeah. So it's used a lot of times it's more for like staff NCOs or, or, or officers. And it's for people who, so like a prime example is the spot I'm in. We had every year, we had two major exercises where we were like, man, I wish we had a third staff NCO because someone always gets pulled away to do this exercise. And then there's only one person running the shop and it's such a busy shop. It was almost impossible to run on your own. And it was like this notional exercise on both occasions. So it's like, you're getting pulled away to like sit in a tent and pretend you're doing something. Um, and so basically I was like, Hey, what if you guys open up a billet, a BIC for me? And every year when those two exercises hit, I'll come out and I'll sit in the tent and I'll play the like, yes, if that was real, we would do that. No, if that was real, we could not do that game. And then you guys could keep running the shop. And so a lot of times what they do it is like we had a, a female major who did it when I was there and she would come out for like the once a year, uh, like rewriting of the ops orders and, and stuff planning for these events. And she would be there for like 30 days. And then that was really the only time you saw her. And as long as you keep up your like annual training and your, your height, weight, PFT, CFT, like you're good. All right, let's take a quick break. I hope you're enjoying this awesome episode. If this episode has got you pumped up and you're looking for more ways to learn, network, and take action, make sure you go over to www.militarycashflow.com where we're doing our absolute best to provide our military community with tons of value. Here's just a few things you'll find when you go to militarycashflow.com. You'll find our books. You'll find the Military Cashflow Facebook group where we have thousands of new and experienced military investors networking and asking and answering questions. You'll find our military cash flow real estate investing course that teaches you everything you need to know to buy a cash flowing producing asset. We teach you how to find the deal, how to analyze, how to renovate, how to build your team and maintain that property. You'll find our one-on-one -on -one coaching programs. And when you're ready to start taking action and invest, or you're looking just to PCS, we'll even vet and find an investor and military-friendly realtor in your area at zero cost to you. So make sure you head over to www.militarycashflow.com to get access to all these great tools. And lastly, and I would almost say most importantly, make sure you share this information with another military member that might find it valuable. And with that said, let's get back into this episode. This is a perfect example how even in the afterworld, no, even in the reserves, you're still creating your own your own destiny or whatever. I think that's that's pretty amazing because I mean I actually spent time in the reserves in the beginning. That's how I started my military career. Um, a lot of people aren't aware of that, but when I was searching for different ways to kind of scratch that itch, like you were talking about, I didn't even know that that was a possibility. Uh, so I think that's amazing. Um, so I, I cooler yeah, about it is that you don't, it's not like they call you and say, you need to be here today, at least so far. What it is, right. is, it's like you work with them. So like, I got a phone call last week and my master guns was like, he's like, Hey, how's the civilian world? I was like, Oh, it's good. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, great, great. Hey, we got this exercise coming up. Uh, do you, are you available? Like, would you want to come out from November 30th to December 9th? And I was like, hang on, let me call my wife. And I called my wife and I called him back. I was like, yeah, I can do that. He's like, okay, cool. Uh, we'll let you know what we need. I was like, sweet. But had I said no, 
they would have been like, oh, okay, well, when are you yeah. free? Like, God, you know, so uh, a cool. lot of my a lot of my buddies who's transitioned out said the same thing. They said the 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 reserve component, regardless if it's guard or reserves, is the best kept secret because it provides you with the most flexibility, but it still allows you to play military when you want to. Yeah. Uh, but but two things I wanted to ask you about this transition because I know a lot of people go through the same concept, specifically in your position where you had already done 13, 14, 15 years. And now it's like, yeah, we're right here, right? Um, so when, you're, when you were contemplating getting out, one, did you attempt to actually make the military continue to scratch that issue? Did you try to make it fun? And then from there, once that finally happened, was the choice of the reserves really just a safety net or was it more of an emotional tie to the military? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, so the first part is, yeah, I mean, I've volunteered for some some deployment opportunities and and some different things. And then I just kind of got to a point where I was like, all right, well, like, so there's no nice way to say this without sounding like a cocky Don't be prick. Nice. So Don't be nice. just, just know that this is the reality, whether you believe that I'm being an arrogant prick or not. I was too good at my job for people to let me be the one to leave the office. Mm. You know, my, yep. my last of my last five or six fitness reports, like our promotion reports, at least four of them, I was ranked as like the number one that they'd ever had. And so I can back up that statement. And like, I literally got told, well, we'd love to let you go to Dubai next year, but we, we can't afford you. to let you out of the office. Right. And I'm like, That's crippling, well, he went, he went to Dubai last year. And so it should be my turn, you know? Um, and I got told that about a couple different opportunities. And I was just like, you know what? Like, had you let me do some of this fun stuff, I might've stayed around. I don't know, because I, I really do like the Marine Corps. Um, I also noticed as the platform was growing, that I was getting a lot of uh, flack from leadership with the idea of like, how can you be focused on this when you're clearly focused on that, which made me kind of laugh. Cause it's like, like I got of the, of the two that weren't hundreds, one of them was actually pretty bad. He'd rated me a hundred twice and then dropped me significantly and told me like, well, yeah, but now you've got this whole thing going on and I, I can't fathom that you're really giving it your all. And I'm like, well, I took on an extra billet this reporting period that's not actually my job and I crushed it and I did everything else. So I'm pretty sure I'm at least doing the same, if not better. Um, and yet I got, that was the perception was, well, how are you, how do I know you're focused on the military if you're doing all this other stuff, which is funny. Cause it's like, well, would you rather me just get drunk and play call of duty? Like all the other off Marines, like right. I'm, I'm doing something beneficial in my off time rather than like, uh, so it's kind of an interesting uh, situation as far as the reserves go. Man, I will tell you the reserve packet was approved for no less than 40 days before I finally signed it uh, because I kept the guy and the guy was bugging me. He's like, hey, you're going to get that back to me. I'm like, yeah, I think so. And I'm like talking to the wife and I'm like, and I had told people that I was doing the reserves and I was just staring at this packet like, do I really want to do this? And so ultimately what it came down to was, was like two or three things. One, if I hate it, I can leave, right? The reserves isn't like, it's a contract, but it's not like, like I can, I can still leave if I'm like, wow, this is terrible. Um, two, the reserves was going to allow me, I didn't transfer my GI bill the last time I reenlisted because I was just misinformed. So it would allow me to transfer my GI bill to my kids. Cause I'm not going to use it. And it would allow me, uh, you know, TRICARE for like 270 a month for the family. So like in both cases, those are really solid benefits. Um, so those were, were two of the main reasons. And then the other reason being kind of a weird one. Um, 
my platform is from military to millionaire. Right. And so I kind of felt almost like I had to do the reserves because if I just said, fuck it, I'm out. Then like, I, like I'm, I am like, I'm, I'm like the military millionaire dude. So like I should finish the military. Um, and so while I know that's only like in my head that I'm going to be like, yeah, I feel better if I finished it. Um, you know, and finished meaning like I made it to 20, um, I'm kind of at a point now where like that doesn't really matter so much, but that was definitely a thing for a while. Now that I'm like doing my own thing and I've had a taste of freedom now for a couple months, man, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Right. So like, we'll see what happens when I go back, but like I had to put on the uniform when I picked up my DD 214 and I like, I had like the day prior, I had to redo my final physical cause someone lost it. I had to do a dental exam again. I had to do something else. And then someone lost like my, outbound interview with the CO. And so I had to like redo it, but the CO was gone. So I was going to do it with the XO and the XO is like the Lieutenant and like a second, a first Lieutenant. So like, he'd been around a little bit, but not a ton. And he made me wait like 45 minutes telling me, yeah, just a few more minutes, whatever. And then finally it was like, it was 1630 on the dot. He's like, Hey, uh, I'm sorry. Can you come back tomorrow? And so I was like, great. 730. He's like, yeah, 730. I was like, okay. So I showed up at like 715 and he didn't get me into like 745. And I was just kind of like, dude, the bureaucracy and the crap, like I'm telling this guy, like, Hey, I've already done this. All the paperwork stuff. Like I literally just need you to sign this. I promise I'm good in two minutes. I'll be able to convince you that I'm, I'm good. Like whatever. And it was, it was like three minutes in and out, but it was just like the fact that I'm like, man, I had to redo all this stuff because people lost things. And then I'm being put on other people's timelines and I'm like not able to move the needle forward. Typical military stuff. And I was like not excited about being back in uniform at all. So now I'm like, all right, well, we'll see what happens when I go back this time. But my, you know, I'm, I'm kind of disenchanted, I think at this point. So, which is a bummer. Cause I, I loved like when I was doing real Marine Corps stuff, like I loved life in the military. Uh, just not really getting to do that anymore. I think, I think uh, you, yeah, go ahead, Dan, because I got something. No, I think that, that disenchantment that you're talking about, even, um, I mean, well, I think that, you know, working on other people's timeline and then people losing your stuff and then, you know, having to, having to just kind of go through the, the normal, I guess, bureaucracies, I think that really weighs on a lot of people, even, even as far as, uh, you know, being, being overworked, knowing your value, right, in the workplace, obviously having that being reconfirmed through evaluations and then, you know, not being able to go on some of those other things because, hey, I can't, we don't want to lose you from, from, uh, from the office. I think a lot of that um, definitely plays into the fact of a lot of people getting out, right? Um, in your mind, right, let's say, you know, perfect world, what, what are some of the things that would, that would, um, you know, possibly kind of, kind of change that a little bit? I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess I'm trying to, I'm trying to speak to the service members that are, are thinking about getting out. Right. Um, maybe they don't have that platform though. Like, cause you, you are already primed and ready to go. Right. But they're in that situation. What are some of the things that they can do to, to kind of, um, I don't know, kind of prepare themselves to get out or prepare themselves for the long haul. Yeah. I mean, if you're already sure you're getting out, right. I would say, well, for one, document everything you're going to document like medically, right? So make sure you're doing your VA claim stuff and all your medical documentation, uh, but take advantage of everything you can while you're in, right? So maximize that time while you're in, you know, max out your 
TSP or contribute what you can. You've got your VA loan benefits. So learn about how to use it and learn about real estate, uh, learn about house hacking, whatever. Um, go to school while you're, while you're in, if they'll let you go to other military schools, if you're still debating whether you want to stay in the military or not, and you're just not happy at your unit, like try to transfer units or try to like do a lap move, look at, look at another job. Right. There were, there's a lot of opportunities out there. Um, I mean, those are probably some of the biggest ones, but really it would be, I would, I would say like, make sure you have some savings, like a, like a runway and then have some idea what you want to do. Uh, what you're passionate about, what you, you know, whatever. Cause I mean, you can get out, you can go to use the GI bill and the GI bill is super cool. So I had uh, beers on Wednesday. It was Marine Corps birthday. And I was lucky enough that like three of the guys that I enlisted didn't hate me. So they like called me and asked if I wanted to grab beers. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. So we go to beer. And uh, one of the guys I hadn't seen since he went, I mean, I guess since like his boot camp leave, like since he got back. Right. So it'd been five, six years since I've run into him and we're talking and he's lived in Colorado for the last like two years. And I'm like, why Colorado? And he was like, oh, the GI Bill will pay for my housing. So I figured it'd be a cool place to go. And like literally just like I never it, it was like one of those like someone finally gets it. It's like he was yeah. like, Colorado would be cool. Let me go to college in Colorado because I can and the military will pay me to do it. And that was just super cool to me. And he's back here now and whatever. But him, he's like, yeah, me and my me and my fiance went and lived in uh, Colorado Springs for two years just because I'm like, that's it's like there's a lot of cool opportunities leaving the military as long as you use them. And even if you don't want to go to school, like if you don't know what you're going to do, like that's a great way to at least be able to make a living. <laughs> Right. And, and get to explore. Yeah. Explore why you try to figure it out. Because, you know, to your point, if you don't have something lined up immediately following, you get stuck into that uh, identity crisis kind of thing. Right. Oh, yeah. and, and back to, to your point that's, there, that's where a real thing still it is exactly. And I have the same issues. I mean, I've been out for over a year now, but I still feel like um, how you mentioned, you said, hey, military to millionaire. If I, if I don't have my ties to the, to the military, how can I truly speak to that platform? I go through that identity crisis every time, even though I've been deployed several fucking times. I've been in 11 years. I'm like, how the fuck can I talk to these guys in uniform, right? It's a real thing. So having something like that lined up, whether regardless of it's college or a new job, it, it'll at least help with that mental transition as well. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about, this is a, 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 little, a little slight shift, but it has to do with the transition here. You mentioned the thrift savings plan again. And I told you in the beginning, I was going to dig on you about this one because I'm curious. The thrift savings plan, we'll do a whole podcast about it, you know, coming up here in the future. But primarily, you invested in it. I know you're a big proponent on it. Why? Because it's in your book, The No BS Guide to Military Life, which is on my shelf and it's on yours there. So you guys are listening, grab a copy. Perfect plug. Um, but as you transition out, understanding that when you leave, you can no longer, con oh, you're in the guard. You're in the reserves. Okay, so what was your thought process, though, when you transitioned out about um, how to utilize that TSP? Did you intend to keep it in the TSP even if you leave the guard? What, what was your thought process behind that? Yeah, so here's my hope with the TSP. Uh, I will never touch it again. And in like 40 years, I'm going to be like, oh, holy shit, look at all that money. Do you still plan to contribute while you're in the guard to the TSP? Yeah, most likely. Uh, okay. So I maxed it out this year. Uh, this was actually the first year I think I've ever officially maxed out my TSP. Uh, I totally screwed it up at the beginning of my service, like everyone else. Uh, and even still, I've got, I think uh, at the beginning of this month, I think it was like 114 grand in the TSP. Uh, so it's probably 
I don't know, probably like eight to 10% of my net worth. Um, and it's going to keep growing. It's going to just keep doing its thing. Right. But the reason I like the TSP is a couple different things. Uh, one, obviously most of my real wealth is real estate. And so as much as I like the whole moving it into a self-directed IRA thing, and then being able to use that for real estate, like, well, I already buy a bunch of real estate. So I don't necessarily know that I need another reason or a way to buy real estate. Like, I think it's smart to have at least some diversification in the portfolio. It's also the most passive thing you could possibly invest in, right? People are like, oh, real estate passive. Like, oh, it's an LP. It's passive. It's like, okay. But if you're going to compare, you're investing in a syndication as a limited partner. It's super passive. It's whatever. You still have to like look at the investment, know the team you're investing with, and then you have to go send a wire transfer, right? None of which are really hard. But if you compare that to pushing a button on the computer one time and it just automatically gets pulled out of your paycheck and you never touch it again. Definitely more passive. So, uh, so I love the fact that it just kind of does its thing. Um, I also view the TSP as my like super duper emergency fund where like, if I royally screw something up, I can go pay 10% in penalties and pull out, you know, at this point, like $95,000 and be like, okay, now we're going to fix it. <laughs> so yeah. That's why I leave it there because it's like, man, if I pulled that out right now, I would find somewhere to put it and then I wouldn't have that massive safety net. Um, so so let me of... ask you, let me ask you this then. So the, the thought process is a lot of people leave the military and they say, hey, I have this beautiful thing in the TSP, but why don't I roll it over to another retirement account? What's your thought process on why you are going to keep it in the TSP versus another account? Uh I mean, there's a couple different thoughts. The main one, I guess, would be most of the time when you roll, you get pinged with a bunch of fees, whether it's like the fee of moving or the fee of, you know, depending on what account you move it into, the fees might be higher. So for me, like, while I am contributing to a civilian Roth IRA as well, uh, and honestly, I need to do a little bit more research, I might end up in the SEP IRA and the whatever, like the, the self-employed, there's different versions. So like, technically, I could contribute more depending not an expert on any of that yet, but, uh, the TSP, like it's so low feed and so simple that I will at least keep it open no matter what I do, because even if I do all this Roth IRA stuff, 40 years down the road, I can roll it into the TSP and then I'm paying less in fees and it's just a simpler setup. I would rather have the TSP open as an option to roll things back into down the road than the alternative, because most of the other funds have unnecessary fees or, or there's, you know, there's a fee for moving it over. And like people, people think, okay, well, what if I get hit, hit with a 5% fee, you know, in my case, that'd be like six grand to roll it over. It's not the end of the world. I still have 108 in the account. I'm like, okay, yeah, but what's that $6,000 30 years from now, right? Like you just missed out on 40 grand in your TSP for what moving it like, yeah. you know, so, so a lot of people, I think, get sold on rolling it just to have everything in one place. But I don't like, I don't know that it like, okay, it might be a little simpler to have everything in one place, but it's not like having a hundred houses that you have to manage and then being like one apartment would be easier. Okay. Yeah. But it's like, you don't have to do anything with either account. So it's not like it's really complicated. You're literally like, I don't know. So for me, it's like, Really, it's just easy to leave it the hell alone. <laughs> that's, yeah. And that's what I plan to do. Um, and I'm sure there's there's all kinds of arguments for all these other things. I mean, I've definitely been pitched on taking it all out and rolling it in a whole life insurance and yep. or self-directed IRAs or whatever. But I just kind of realized like, 
everybody who's pitching me on this is going to get incentivized because they're going to make money <laughs> off me moving it in. And if I leave it where it is, nobody gets paid, which means I'm not paying anyone, which means it's going to keep earning money and doing nothing. So I don't know. And over the last 12 months, I earned 44.29%. Same, same thing that person. Alex said. Alex, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the second person that's, that's earning like astronomical uh, percentages uh, on freaking uh, the TSP and, and those type of investment vehicles. That's that's absolutely crazy, man. So I, I did have a question, unless you have another question about TSP, Mike. No, no, I'm uh, good, man. I really I, just want to touch on those. I got a question about like, so you got it, so you got out, right? And and it sounded like you deliberately moved to Missouri, not just because of the, the your rental properties are there, but also because of maybe there's some a little bit of geo arbitrage there. Like you, you know, it's it's a little lower cost of living. Can you talk to us about that? Like how you made the decision and how maybe other people should think about um, as they transition out where they're gonna move to. Cause I know a lot of people will say, Hey, I'm getting out. I want to go, um, sometimes it's not based on jobs. Sometimes it's like, hey, I want to go live on the coast, right? And as you know, the coast is a lot more expensive, right? So can you talk to us a little bit about how you uh, came up with that de deliberate decision to move where you moved and how others should, so a few other things that other people should probably think about as well. Yeah, full disclosure, my wife cracked a whip and said, we're going back home. And that's what actually happened. Um, and <laughs> then the reality. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. but the, the, the logical justifications and the logical reasonings behind this are uh, really twofold. One, as much as it is very possible to invest in real estate long, long distance, uh, there are a ton of benefits to being where you're investing, right? It's a lot simpler. So now that I've mastered investing long distance, I really like being right where all my real estate is and being like, yeah, I'm going to go to that appointment. Oh yeah. I'm going to go walk this with a contractor. Hey, I'm going to go make sure this was done right myself. Um, or, or now I've hired an acquisitions manager who is doing most of that anyway. So I still outsource it, but I just, it's easier to build those relationships when you're there, right. With, with professionals. So I think there's a benefit to that. Um, However, I am a huge fan of geo arbitrage. I piss people off online all the time talking about this because they're like, well, that doesn't work in my market. Move. <laughs> <laughs> Who said you have to live in San Francisco? <laughs> Fuck that. Go somewhere else. Like I have two friends, not just one, two different friends who have moved at some point for extended amounts of time to Columbia because it was so cheap. Like one of my buddies was like, dude, I'm living like a king for like $30,000 a year. And so, so here's what I would say is if you're going to move somewhere like San Francisco or, or Denver, which I love Denver or, or San Diego or, or Hawaii, which I love or whatever, you need to move there with some kind of an occupation that pays you well enough that you're living there and you're still able to save money to invest. And if you're, if you, but if you're like me, where most of your income is either like cash flow producing assets, online revenue, like it's not tied to where you live. It's, it's not a, it's not a cost of living thing. It's, it's literally just, I make the same amount of money, no matter where I live. And it makes infinitely more sense to move somewhere where the average median income is like $44,000 a year, as opposed to like $95,000 a year, because that means I'm saving you know, $41,000 a year while making the exact same amount of money. And that $41,000 is two more properties I can buy. Or in my case, with my normal down payments, it could be five or 10 more properties that I'm, that I could buy. Cause I've got some pretty crazy, uh, unique creative strategies I'm messing with right now, but, um, or that's 30, $40,000 I can put in a brokerage account, or it's, 
$40,000 I can buy a fucking Ferrari with. <laughs> like, you know, it's, yep. it's, it's whatever. Right. So, uh, I'm a huge fan of the idea that like, if your income is not tied to where you live, then move somewhere cheaper and build that wealth up. And then you can afford to go, you know, wherever, Busy, like, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or exactly. even, even five years, like, let's just paint the picture where if you saved $40,000 into a brokerage account for five years, $200,000, right. And that doubles. So let's say you're 30. So it's going to double three times before you turn 60. Right. So great. So that's four, eight, $1.6 million. Right. So even at a 4% rule, that's paying you like 65, $70,000 a year at, when you hit retirement. Right. So if you do that up front and then you're like, I want to go live in Maui and now I go live somewhere that's more expensive and I'm not saving as much, you're still going to have that nest egg. Like it's much more powerful to sacrifice and invest at an early age than it is to do it on the back end. So there's like two schools of thought. There's like the, well, I want to enjoy my life while I'm young. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Do that, but do it in a way that you can still save and invest or sacrifice for five or 10 years and then live however the fuck you want because you did that. And now you're like, well, I'm 35. Sure. I'm not 25, but I'm 35 and I have like a fucking yacht. So, so it's like, eh, you got to take what you want, right? You can't have your cake and eat it too. And I, I love that because it, what's so important is that people, you know, they always put the cart before the horse. They're saying, well, shit, I just bought this rental property. So therefore I'm making whatever, $500 a month. That's enough to pay for the monthly lease of that Ferrari or that yacht or whatever. It's like, yo, calm down. There was a guy who mentioned to me, I don't remember who it was or whatever, but he was like, hey, don't sacrifice enjoyment of life. Don't sacrifice the enjoyment of life for the struggle. But enjoyment of life can be simply uh, going out to dinner, right? It can be simply uh, paying for that Netflix subscription or Disney Plus. The, the, the enjoyment of life does not have to be uh, 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 all expenses paid to Mykonos or whatever, <laughs> like for, for two yeah. months, like chill, you know, have it within moderation. But I think that's a really great point that people don't really conceptualize when they're starting uh, that journey. And I, on that note, I would say that paying for experiences is much more valuable than paying for most of the stuff people put their money into. Right. Like I will, I paid a thousand dollars to fly a plane in San Diego where like you get in the front seat, the guy behind you is driving and he does a backflip in the, in the plane. And then he's like, all right, you got the controls. And then you do a backflip in the plane and like, and it was like the, I got sick. It was gnarly. We pulled like six G's and I almost passed out, but it was like, that's a thousand dollars well spent. You know, like I will always remember that. I got video footage of me, like, you know, trying not to black out in the plane. And, um, I think I want to see that video. Spending. Go to, yeah, go to, he's got it on his YouTube channel. If y'all want to see that fucking video, <laughs> I'd be too afraid. I'd be too afraid to do it. Cause I'd fuck around and push the eject button or something as I'm passing out. So it's not my, it's not my cup of tea. Oh man. But like, so, you know, spending money on something like that is different than being like, I want Netflix for, right. or I want to just live in San Diego. Like, well, what's the fun of living in San Diego if you don't actually get to experience right. San Diego? What's the enjoyment of owning like a $10,000 watch when nobody fucking sees it? <laughs> like, like enjoy yeah. your life. I agree, yeah. man. You know, one, one thing I really love about um, your about your story and just your your the way that you've managed your um, your real estate portfolio and just just I guess it seems like your your life and your strategy it seems like you had a deliberate a deliberate plan for it right and then you started to execute it but I think your story is extremely relatable to really the even just the average person I mean we t think about it you were enlisted right 
you have a family. It's not like you're just, it's just you out there just going, you know, going at it alone. You have a family and you're, and you're still able to, uh, still able to crush your goals um, and provide for your family and uh, essentially do what most people would say is, hey, this is what, this is the end goal for me. This is what I want to do in life, right? And, and you're, it seems like you're, you're there, or you're very close to it, at least, right? So, yeah. I mean, talking to, talking to uh, individuals that are, that are like, I have an excuse, like, I, I, there's no way I can do it. There's no way I can do this. There's no way I can do that. Like, what, what do you say to those people? Uh, not with that attitude. <laughs> True. I mean, yeah, I was a, I had a negative net worth and I was an E5 in the Marine Corps on recruiting duty. So I had no time. I had no money and I got started. And then it took me like almost two years between that first duplex purchase. Actually, no. Yeah. It was, it was almost two years between that first duplex purchase and my second, like I bought a 10 unit next, but it was my next investment. Uh, It wasn't like this, like, Oh, he has money. You can just buy properties. And no, it took forever to save up for that next investment. And I wouldn't have been able to do it if I hadn't negotiated like seller financing into the deal. Uh, it just, it just takes effort. Right. And, and what you focus on is what you're going to be good at. So if you say, well, I can't do this. So I'm going to play call of duty all weekend. Like, all right, well, you're going to be good at call of duty. How's that going to work for you when you're 60? He's going to be cold on Call of Duty at 60. <laughs> like, it's gonna like be- you can, you can do both. There's nothing wrong with like, I played, mass effect on last week for like two hours sitting on the couch because i was like i just need a break i just need to do something pointless for a little while and i just literally played a video game for like two hours and was like yeah this is great um but i can also i'm also at a point where like i'm gonna go to dallas monday tuesday wednesday next week and i could care less like i didn't have to think about going to dallas somebody was like hey you want to come down to dallas like yeah all right i'll be you Whatever. You know, I, lo- I love this because this is the culmination. This is the culmination story of your journey throughout the whole thing and understanding that during all of those ups and downs that you had within your career of, you know, people telling you what you can and can't do. I'm sure you had struggles within the family. You had struggles within the, the businesses for sure. And you still were able to build a platform of collectively a little over 150 people, uh, um, real estate homes over 102 doors. And you never, ever, ever decided to make an excuse along the way. But the part that I loved the most was that slight little, it was a little Easter egg. You said, hey, you spent two hours the other day playing a video game. The point is you found ways to relax, you know, during that time. I got a question for you because I struggle with this personally. If I take two hours off to do anything, I feel like a piece of shit. Do you ever go through those mental battles where you're like, ah, I should be doing this? Or have you at least acknowledge the fact that yeah you need some rest too all the time so i actually i've got a couple different i don't know if they're videos or i've talked about this a few times uh i got so burned out like two years ago that i wasn't like able to function so like it was like a saturday and i'm like i have all these things to do and i would realize i got like none of them done because i had no energy to focus on anything so i'm like well i need a break so i'm gonna go watch a movie and the whole time i'm in the movie theater i'm like God, I should be doing all those things that I tried to do all day and I didn't get them done. And then I get home and I'm like, okay, I need to work on this. And then it was just this like revolving cycle for like three weeks. And the way that I was able to beat it was by finally like convincing myself that burnout will fuck you harder than not getting something done. And the only way to get around burnout is to tell yourself like, hey, for two hours on this day, like put it on your calendar and on your, in your journal and be like, my job 
is relaxing or my job is for me, it was like reading a book in the sun by the pool or going to watch a movie or going to rent and jet ski or, or whatever that was. It was like every weekend I need to give myself like one or two hours where it's like, Hey, my job for this two hours is to turn off the phone, turn off the work, whatever, because if I don't do this, I will be less effective in everything else. But you have to like give yourself permission to like understand it, it can't be, okay, I'm worn out. I need to go take a break because at that point, the whole time you're on your break, you're not going to be able to enjoy it. It has to be like an intentional, Hey, at this time, I'm going to go get a massage because if I don't get a massage, then I'm going to continue to overwork and I'm going to just like my productivity levels will go down. Uh, Cause what happens is you get to a point where you're like, I just spent five hours working and I accomplished nothing. And then you feel like an asshole because you need a break. And then like, it's just this, it's this bad cycle. Uh, and it happens to all of us. In fact, I made a post on Instagram the other day that said, uh, <laughs> said entrepreneurship is one and a half days a week of feeling like you crushed it. One and a half days a week of feeling like you have, uh, you didn't accomplish anything. You're super overwhelmed and, oh my God, the sky is falling. And like two days a week of sitting around with your thumb up your butt going, I know I'm supposed to be doing something, but what am I supposed to be doing? <laughs> like, ah, <laughs> and so I try to find time and ways to like, it's, it's easier said than done. Like, but the, I think one of the other things is finding friends who struggle with the same things. Like I have a buddy, yeah. we're partners on the hotel we own. He's financially free as well. And like, was it last week? He and I were texting and I was like, dude, I am, I'm hitting that wall again. Like, let's just hang out. And like, literally he came over to my office and it's like nine in the morning and he and I made, we went through two pots of coffee, but we basically made Irish coffee. I had Bailey's and we just drank Bailey's and coffee for like three hours and just talked about nothing, mm-hmm. just bullshitted. And we were in the office, we were hanging out. Like if there was work stuff, my assistant, my acquisitions guy were still able to come in and bullshit with us just sitting on the couch getting drunk and drinking coffee in the morning on a Wednesday like woohoo! and then like that afternoon I was actually really productive because I you know I was like whatever but um so yeah it's it's a uh, it's crazy because I would uh, I won't say I would consider myself a lot of people would probably consider myself to be like one of the more productive people they know just because of how much crap I put out on the internet but there's definitely times where it's like Nope. I got, I got nothing. Like I have to do this for um, like, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of at a wall right now and I'm trying to figure out what that's going to be this afternoon. Like we're going to go shopping later, but that won't, I need to find a way to relax today. And I don't know what that is yet, but if nothing else, I'll jump on the four wheeler and go rip through the backyard. So. Yeah. I think that's extremely important because everybody who's, who's go-getters, right. Primarily our audience between both of the platforms is, Everybody is trying to do more, do more, do more, whether it's in the military, whether it's with their family, whether it's real estate investing. And I, I just I really appreciate you being honest about that, because a lot of people will see somebody in the in the limelight, right in the light of success and think that it's all easy, all frivols and giggles and glitter. And no, the, the truth is it fucking sucks. And, you know, there's times where you do need to just sit back and relax. And it's very hard to tell yourself that, you know, because I go through it all the time. It's like, Mike, chill, man. It's like, it's yeah. OK. And this uh, isn't like thanks. just something you and I have in common. This is like everybody. Like my yes. roommate in Cali was a, you know, reconnaissance scout sniper, Billy badass, energizer bunny, whatever. But God forbid I woke that dude up in the morning. 
before he wanted to wake up, right? Because if he didn't get his eight hours of beauty sleep, like he was dead the whole fucking day. It was actually yeah. kind of funny to me because I would occasionally be like, I'm going to wake you up tomorrow morning when I wake up just to ruin your day. And like, so like there are like, everybody's got that thing, man. And I don't care if you're Gary Vaynerchuk, Grant Cardone, or, yep. or freaking Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like if you don't find a way to like decompress and relax, like you will end up killing yourself. Yep. It's quite honest, man. So let's talk about real quick, because this is one of your platforms that we haven't really brought up too much on, on, on here, is you mentioned about having like-minded individuals in your circle that helps you kind of elevate. So if people don't know, you have a mastermind group called The War Room. Would you mind yeah. explaining a little bit more about what that platform is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't share this nearly enough. In fact, I wrote an email about it today and sent it out to my email list because I was like, you know, I don't ever talk about this. And uh, the war room's been around for two years now. And apparently that was the first time I've ever talked about it in an email <laughs> or at least written an email specifically <laughs> about it. So I was like, oh man, I need to, um, it's, it's just what you said. It's a mastermind group. It's only open to service members and veterans. And we talk real estate. So what we do is we uh, split people into groups of like four to six for like a small group that meets every week. Uh, usually it's broken up primarily by time zone, just because a lot of people in the group are selective duty. So time zones are are difficult. Uh, and they do accountability groups. They talk about your goals, uh, you know, what your most important next step is to achieve that goal, what your struggles are. They do like a hot seat where they, you know, one person talks about all their problems for like 30 minutes and people bring solutions and they brainstorm. And then you go back and talk about your commitment for what you're going to do next week. Uh, and then we have every Saturday morning, which is like the only time that seems to work for most of the people in the group. Cause we got people, I mean, literally we've got dudes in, in Europe and we got people in Japan and Hawaii and, you know, everywhere. Um, on the Saturdays we have like the first Saturday of the week or month, we bring in like a, a guest speaker. So we've had, uh, I mean, some of the more known people we've had like Ryan Dossie, we've had David Osborne, we've had, uh, Tyler Austin, REI SIP was there last week. Um, and then, the second and third or second and fourth uh, Saturdays, we're about to change it up to where they're going to be four different groups that you can jump in a call. So it's either a <coughs> like buy and hold residential, short-term rental, multifamily, or like wholesaling and flipping. So you can pick one of those and jump in and just talk about your niche. And then the third Saturday is like a member presentation. So today's was about uh, like adding value to like small multifamilies and expensive markets to be able to sell them. Um, next one is going to be on, uh, multifamily, like investing in a, as a GP. And then the one after that is investing as an LP. And then, so different presentations from people who are like subject matter experts about that. Uh, and really what it, what it is, is just a community of service members and vets investing in real estate. Right. So if you got a question, a problem, an issue, like one, we all relate because we're all service members. Uh, and two, there's a wealth of information in there. We've got everything from a E3 to an 06 in the group. Um, and nice. Stu, Stu's an 04. 50405 in the Navy. Uh, is he a five? I don't, I don't even remember. He's 05, yeah. yeah, I don't remember how their structure always, whatever. Um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, you know, I'm a grungy old E6 in the Marine Corps. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the long and short, just a community. Yeah, I, I was going to bring that up as well. I was definitely going to uh, give you guys kudos for creating that you and Stu. Stu's been on the show as well. So if you guys want to hear his story, you can go back on one of our past episodes as well. But um, I, I'm a member of the War Room. I just joined it, what, maybe three weeks ago. It was like right after, yeah, two, three weeks ago, right after Flip Hacking Live. Um, and, and I will say, man, like everybody in that group is, is absolutely awesome, man. Like the, uh, the amount of value that you've got. I've only been to two to uh because i've only been in two weeks i've only been to the two like little small groups how it's 
broken out into, into teams and like you actually already you know form relationships with those people in that small teams because only like five or six of you in a, it you know in a group so you, you really get to um to connect with other actual investors that also share those same experiences with you because you're both military, right? So it, it's it's really, really uh, beneficial. I would advise every service member that is listening to this to definitely go at least check it out. And it's very inexpensive. And I think that was deliberately done so that um, even the younger soldier uh, service members can get in and kind of learn. So I think it's, uh, I, I would definitely you know, uh, recommend it. And I definitely give kudos to you, uh, you and Stu for creating that. Uh, I think it's a great, great, great platform. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. And a lot of our guests guys, a lot of our guests are actually members of the war room. So yeah. I'm telling you, it is some, <laughs> it is some quality, uh, quality members there for yeah, sure. You know what? Johnny Lynham, Marcus, uh, Marcus, Marcus Long, Long. um, obviously they pray Stu Grazier, um, myself, who yeah, we got Adam, a couple yeah. more. We got a couple more that's coming on uh, as well, but um, you haven't had Adam Whitney yet. You got to have yep. him on the show. Adam, we've had Adam, Adam, we've yep, had Adam, Adam twice. twice. Yep, forgot yeah, about Adam. He's awesome. Um, so yeah, man, like it's it's a really really great uh, really great thing to see, even to be a part of, but also just to see other service members networking and really you know, really helping each other out. And that's kind of why we, we, we started the, the platform and we give you guys shout outs, military to millionaire all the time. Same thing with ADPI, man. It's, it's, it's really awesome, man. It's, it's relatively a small community, man. Like it really yeah. is. So if you listen to this and you're like, yeah, I've listened to the podcast enough and you know, I'm, I'm ready to take the next step and you should definitely, that that's definitely a, a um, something that I would definitely recommend for you to go check out next um, to get some real world application. Well, I appreciate um, it. Guys. Yeah. Absolutely. I appreciate you forcing me to plug something that I should probably you have to. <laughs> yeah, you have to, man. Because like, like Dan said, it's all really about just, you know, making sure people know what's out there, what's aware, because we all been through it, guys, everybody who's listening. Um, that's the best part about this community and, and coming together. And you know what I really love is to see like the fact that we spoke, you know, two years ago, whatever it was, it was at GrowthCon, right? And now we got, look at we the got first drunk in a, I just talked about it today in a three bed, two bath house. Yes. That we rented as an Airbnb for like five or six people. And there were like 11 yes. of us. There was like 15 people in there and we were just bullshitting. And just <laughs> to see the trajectory from then to now is insane. But that is the type of community um, that it really is. And so we talk about it being small. It's small as shit. And it gets even smaller for the people who are actually taking action. Right. So if you guys want to be a part of that, this is this is what that is. Right. Joining that, that platform there. Okay, man. So, you know, to be respectful of your time, you're dropping crazy, crazy nuggets. But... If, uh, if you had to give one piece of advice for somebody who's been struggling, and now I kind of want you to change it up because we've had you on now, I think twice before. So for this one here, let's do it. Let's do it one better. If you had one piece of advice for somebody who's already established themselves in the real estate game, but they're ready to take it to the next level, that level where they step away completely from that security of a nine to five and take on this challenge full time. What's mm. the one piece of advice you would give them? Ooh. Aside from have a DD. No. Yeah, <laughs> and wrap it before you know um, right, so <laughs> safety brief um, okay so that's a good one and this is some stuff that I'm struggling with right now and it's way easier to say out loud than it is to actually do so I would say one get out of your own head right so everybody's got imposter syndrome or whatever I can't do this I can't do that I've got this excuse I've got that excuse um, I'm in scale mode right now and I'm struggling hardcore with it and I'm having to find people to like drag me to the next step so for example uh, four months ago I hired an executive assistant 
she's full time. She's I'm paying her $15 an hour to sit in my office and do all this stuff for me. And I'm trying to figure out how to keep her busy because I'm not giving her enough work and, and whatever. Uh, but that helped me out a lot. And then I realized, okay, well, I need to hire an acquisitions manager because I can't go to all these house appointments and do all this marketing. So I hired an acquisitions manager. And then I was like, well, I'm not getting enough leads. Uh, my direct mail is awesome, but I want to step it up a bit. So Adam talked about cold callers and I got on the phone with all Adam and was like, what do I need to do? Great. Let's do it. And so I've got my first cold caller starts Wednesday. My next one starts the following Monday. Uh, I've got two cold callers hired. So I would say you need to get to a place where you have enough income coming in and small enough expenses that you can afford to take on at least one person to help you get rid of the crap that you hate doing. That's not worth being done. Like I love my Facebook group, but approving Facebook group requests was not worth my time. Right. I was letting them pile up. It was taking hours or two, two, three, four hours a week just to approve Facebook people. And I was like talking myself out of an assistant forever. And then I hired this assistant. Now she runs my entire, like half my emails, all my referrals. She does my Facebook group. She does like all this stuff to the point where when I see something that I need to do, I'm like, Oh, can I give this to Rachel? Um, and so I think that advice would be get to a spot where you're like, all right, I can, if I take away my actual job, I'm making enough money that I can hire somebody to help me with the meaningless crap and I can continue to invest and then get out of your own way and take that step. It's scary. <laughs> but once you have somebody who's running all that stuff for you, who's like the right personality to actually take stuff off your plate, it allows you, it frees you up for much bigger opportunities. Like I'm going to Dallas, like I said, for three days this week, I'm not going to, I'm going to be gone four or five days next week. Uh, Cause I'm going to Dallas Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then Friday I'm driving like three hours to go look at some crazy property that we bought on a tax lien. Um, and I'm going to be gone all day and I'm going to be okay. I was gone for a whole month and my assistant kept everything running without me. Um, and, and so I, I would not be able to do that if I hadn't. Yeah. So your own way. I don't know if that's yeah. as formulated as, as well as it should, but like, if you're looking to go to that next step, you've got to figure out how to stop being the only person running the show. It sounded like it sounded like the first step to that was basically make sure you, you to to figure out if you're actually at that step in the first place to make sure you have enough income to then, you know, pass off, pass off other tasks to people and then sound like, all right, make kind of make the plan for what you want them to do, because that's kind of that seems like what you what you did there. And then from there, actually get out of your own way. Am I kind of synopsizing that the right way? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And then, uh, and then, and then actually use that time to do focus on bigger tasks, right? Set time apart to focus on big ideas or next projects or, you know, whatever those most valuable tasks are and then do them. I love it. Yeah. Cause you know, like we just talked about in an, in as little as two, three years ago now, since the original interview, you were already in the game, but just seeing how much growth that happens for everybody who's starting and taking action growth is going to compound so quickly that you're going to look up and be like, Oh shit, I'm ready to hire somebody. Oh shit. I'm ready. So, so I really appreciate you breaking that down. And, and again, being transparent saying like, you're still struggling with it because that, that, that's the truth of it all. That that will be a constant struggle because, you know, let's say you make a hundred thousand dollars in passive income. Great. The challenges here are going to be a lot different than when you're making a million in passive income, so forth and so on. So the challenge is always there. Yeah. All right. So now we got everybody is like, oh, I'm geeked out. I want to join the war room. I want to I want to follow. I want to see the video of you doing six G's with a backflip. Where can <laughs> they find you? Pretty much everywhere. If you type in uh, from military to millionaire. So I'm on Instagram this is my biggest platform. 
uh, YouTube, Facebook. It's all either under from military to millionaire or military millionaire, and it'll pop up on Google. Because I've finally got SEO to believe I exist. <laughs> it finally stuck in there. Excellent, man. Hey, well, it's been a, a, an excellent conversation, man. Um, I know this wasn't, uh, if you guys are listening, this wasn't like the typical episode, it's just because, well, you know, we've had David on a few other times and uh, we really want to just have that conversation about um, what it looks like for you now that you have transitioned, right? And I, and I really appreciate you coming on, spending some time with us and, and dropping that knowledge for us and, and helping us, you know, kind of navigate that. So really appreciate you coming on, man. Anytime. This was fun for me because I tell the entry level, like buying houses part of the story a lot, but I don't always get to talk about the, like <laughs> the, the struggle that is now, which is, and it don't even get me started on like, okay, now you're out. What do you do to entertain yourself? Um, it's, it's, there's, there's some, there's some real struggles out there, you know, where are well, they now? If, David Perret. Yeah, if you're, if you're willing to come back on, man, I agree with you. You know, we, we do want to cover uh, the basic knowledge because we're always trying to educate um, that next investor, that next veteran. But I think it's extremely important to have these conversations because, you know, like, like we mentioned, it's people are reaching this level far faster than they realize, and they need that next insight. Right. And all you got to do is be one chapter ahead of the book to be able to help somebody. That's oh. it. Yeah. Happy to come back on anytime guys. Excellent. Excellent. Well, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to list, uh, leave us a, a comment, hit that subscribe button, hit the notification bell, all those great things. If you're listening to these, these beautiful voices on the airwaves of podcast, you know, go ahead and uh, <laughs> go ahead and leave us a comment, uh, leave us a review. We really appreciate those as well. Um, other than that, this is all, that's all I got. Uh, this is Dan Wynn. Mike Glaspie. Signing off. <laughs>